thank you for joining for this episode of the Techspective podcast. Uh, my guest is uh, John Aniano. So, John, if you could introduce yourself and give a little bit of background. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. John Aniano here. I am uh, currently SVP of product at Zendesk. So I run product management for most of what you would consider the Zendesk product. Uh, I've been in the customer service uh, and CX space on the product management side, on the engineering side. Uh, what I like to say is my entire adult life. So, you know, the last, uh, um, uh, you know, almost 20 years and um, just always been really interested in helping customers, helping teams build great customer experiences for their customers. So, you know, I go as far as, far back as to when, you know, email was a relatively novel channel um, and have watched, uh, watched uh, you know, CX trends flow through social messaging, what, you know, obviously web-based help, web help centers um, and all the, the trends that have uh, sort of uh, come up to us, including what we'll probably spend a little bit of time talking about today, which is AI. Um, if you're not familiar with Zendesk, you know, Zendesk is a, you know, a SaaS CX vendor. We power, you know, uh, billions of customer interactions across a, a large customer base of 100,000 customers. Um, uh, and, you know, we are, uh, you know, really invested in uh, just making sure anybody who uses Zendesk can create great customer experiences uh, for their customers, regardless of the channel regardless of the um, complexity of their issues. And so just helping people deliver great customer experiences. Nice. So I, I will say I am, I I have been familiar, you know, like I'm, I'm familiar with Zendesk for years and years and years. Like it's, a, it's an established brand. I'm, I'm, I'm well aware of it, um, uh, you know, just from a recognition level. Um, and uh, earlier this year, I was in San Francisco and uh where, where between my hotel and where i needed to be i was you know just i always had to like walk back and forth on uh market street every day and i was like oh look there's zendesk like you know, <laughs> yeah absolutely absolutely you know zendesk has been um in that market street location for over um you know i don't want to get this wrong but over 10 years uh, somewhere between 10 and 15 years um and uh it's just a great flagship for us in in san francisco um uh in and you know, we we love um, we love being sort of part of that community um, on Market Street. Yeah, it's I mean it's it's interesting when you walk around San Francisco. If you're if you're not from the Bay Area and you're not in the tech space and you walk around and you just see like you pass like the Mozilla Firefox office and you're like, oh, it's just this little office <laughs> on the corner. Like that's they they make a browser that is used around the world and they're just in this this little office. Um, or you know you're just walking down the street like oh. Well, there's LinkedIn. All my LinkedIn stuff is right there in that building. Um, so yeah, that's just kind <laughs> yeah, of yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, for the most part, we don't have you know palaces or compounds or things like that. Although some very large tech companies do, but uh, most of us actually in San Francisco, uh, yeah, we're in normal office buildings like everybody else. Right. Well, as you say, that the the one distinct uh, difference being Salesforce Tower. You know. <laughs> It's kind of a hybrid. It's a hybrid, uh, uh, you know, compound slash office building. So, um, yeah, but, uh, uh, you know, we, we, you know, we, um, we find ourselves crossing paths with, with executives from, from all kinds of companies. In fact, I think, you know, we've, uh, we've been able to use some, some office space in that tower sometimes. So it's just great having, uh, having access to spaces in the, uh, in the Bay Area. We can bring customers, we can bring our teams from out of town. Um, you know, obviously everyone, everyone's spending a lot of time remote lately, but, uh, but, you know, I find when I go into the office a couple times a week, um, there's no replacement for that in-person connection and just having that space and being able to bring customers, partners, uh, our teams, uh, into the office has been just, you know, a, a privilege for us. So we're happy to keep, uh, happy to keep doing that. Well, so let's talk about, uh, you alluded to it already. Um, and you know, like uh, last week was, was RSA and. You know, one of the things I've I've noted from that is that uh, the the hot buzzword is is AI. Now, I, I will say, AI ML have been hot buzzwords for you know four, five, six years. I mean, everyone everyone says AI and ML, but now we're doing generative AI. So now everyone's got a whole new take on on AI. Um, so obviously, that's the that's the hot topic. You've got your Chat GPT. You've got you know Google Bard. You've got Bing with theirs and. Uh, you know, I keep seeing posts on LinkedIn that there's like, you know, 200 different uh, 
you know, generative AI tools or API connections or implementations that were created like just in the month of April. Um, so just trying to keep up is a little bit insane right now. But um, in your industry, from your perspective, um, what do you, you know, what, what are your thoughts on the, the impact of generative AI on CX? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So I think, you know, what's been fun for me and CX having been in the industry for so long is that every single time there's a new technological change. You know, I already sort of mentioned this a little bit, but, you know, there was a time when customer service, at least the time I remember when customer service was, you know, mostly via phone or in person. Right. The Internet came and we said, well, we could do some of that on the Web or some of that over email. Social messaging came uh, and social channels uh, showed up and we said, OK, well, every time human behavior changes every time humans change the way they communicate or change their expectations of the types of conversations they're going to have well guess what cx technology and cx processes have to keep up because we're when you're delivering customer experiences you're in the business of having conversations with people and helping people solve their problems and so you're going to have to do that uh, on the mode of preference. I often, when I talk about, you know, the shift to messaging, for instance, which has happened in the last five years, um, you know, I often say, you know, when I, uh, when I started realizing that I was interacting with my grandmother over Facebook Messenger, that, you know, the shift to messaging-based applications or messaging-based communication had really hit across, you know, a, a wide swath of humanity. So as, as, you know, people change the way they communicate, and, and the technology that they use to communicate, CX has to follow. With AI, we've had a few false starts, right? So, um, you know, uh, in the uh, you know in the early uh, early to mid two thousands, there was a lot of sort of talk of the virtual assistant or the virtual agent, and it was using early AI technologies. Um, we've had a lot of false starts with um, natural language processing of audio in you know phone based customer service systems. Sometimes they work, sometimes they don't. Um, so I've seen a lot of uh, hype uh, cycles for AI. I, yeah. I think what, for me, this one is different. So when we talk about generative AI, when we talk about the use of large language models, um, you know, if you've ever spent any time with, you know, just interacting with ChatGPT, and I'm not even talking about, you know, we have a bleeding edge, which changes every week nowadays. I'm not talking about, you know, GPT-4 or auto GPT or whatever the case may be. But if you've spent any time at all with ChatGPT, which has been available to the public for, you know, maybe six months now or, or maybe less, um, you realize that we, you know, uh, the ability for these large language models to generate answers to questions um, will have a, a massive impact on the CX industry. Um, or, but even things that, uh, you know, are not direct answers to questions, like summarizing massive amounts of information or helping people write uh, responses, uh, changing text, editing text, updating text, suggesting text. Um, these are things that that you know are ready to have a massive impact on CX. Uh, so that's that's definitely happening. And I think you know what's what's been really great for us at Zendesk, and I know I'm going long on this, but just want to give you the, 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 the thoughts here. Um, what's what's great for us at Zendesk is that we got to this early. You know, we didn't wake up in December when ChatGPT showed up and say, oh, how do we use this for CX? We had the opportunity to acquire a company called Cleverly about a year and a half ago. And that team was already on the forefront of saying, okay, these large language models have been out for a couple of years. They're gonna get bigger, they're gonna get better, they're gonna get faster, they're gonna get cheaper. How do we make these things work for CX specifically? Because frankly, I wouldn't put ChatGPT in front of one of my customers today and just say, hey, here's a bunch of information about my company, talk to my customer. CX is more nuanced than that. It's harder than that. There's, there's policies and processes in place. There's a lot of things that can go wrong. And the worst thing you want to do is give your customer a wrong answer. Um, you know, and, and <laughs> the large language models today are pretty good at generating convincing wrong answers. And yes, so, they are. And so what we decided to do is say, look, let's train a large language model with all of the billions of, of CX data points that we have that we can feed into these systems and start getting insights that we know can be accurate. Can we pull the customer's intent out of this? Can we pull the sentiment of the customer? And CX sentiment is different from other sentiments. So how do we train it on CX data? How do we take the richness of this data put it into a large language model and get insights out of it. And so um, that's why, you know, the work 
over the last 18 months on Zendesk AI has been so fruitful is we started from the position of large language models are going to change the world. How do we make sure that Zendesk helps our customers deliver that stuff quickly? Well, so you know, you made the point about you know that generative AI is you know sometimes good at making very convincing wrong answers, and that's actually something I'm 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 working on an article on that because I had some back and forth with a friend who writes for a different tech publication, and he he was playing around and he went out and he asked ChatGPT for an answer to a question that. He, he, he knew going in that the only place ChatGPT could get the answer to the question was an article he wrote. Like it was a, it was that new of a, of a topic. Yeah. And, and it did. And it basically plagiarized his entire thing, didn't give him any credit. And, and, he, and he calls it. It's funny because he's having this conversation with this AI that is not a, not a conscious thing. But he's like, you know, hey, did you plagiarize this? And, and, and ChatGPT was like, yeah, sorry. Um, oh, but man. so, that, but then that sparked for me to like go out and say, well, wait a minute, let me go play around with this. And I, I said, you know, one of my, and, and this a little bit off topic from the CX oh, side, but one of my, it. my big issues from a content side with generative AI is the lack of citing a source. Like if you give me an answer, that's great. Give me the answer, but give me the info to verify the answer as well. Um, and, and it doesn't do that. So I started asking chat GPT things like, Hey, go answer this question, but also cite your sources. And or, you know, go answer this question. Also, make sure you quote people who know what they're talking about. Yeah. The thing yeah. is, it did it, but it made it up. <laughs> it invented quotes that did not exist, attributed them to actual people, actual executives. It would say like. Satya Nadella said, blah, 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 even though there's no record on the entire internet of him ever saying that. Yep. And then it would say, it would it would include a link that says, you know, we, 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 we were, were citing this uh, NBC News article or this Bloomberg article, and it was an actual link with the actual URL. And when you click on it, it goes to a 404, this page does not exist error. And I was like, this is insane. Like, <laughs> I asked you to cite your sources and you just made stuff up. Well, it did what you asked it to do, so. <laughs> Um, yeah, and I think that's the thing, right? Is is you know it's early days for all this stuff, and and do I think on the like medium term horizon, one year, two year, three year, it's hard to predict years on stuff that has such a such a um, iterative bleeding edge. But I think these are solvable problems, but they are not solved today. And so in CX, you know the the citation problem is real, right? If a, if 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 you let a machine give an answer to a customer. And it comes out of the knowledge base and you can cite that knowledge base article and you can say, look, if you want more information, come here. Um, that would be super helpful. We kind of don't, we have the opposite of the plagiarism problem. We want, in CX, we want the information that comes from uh, from uh, the system, from AI, to have its sor uh, source in reality, to have its source in some corpus of knowledge or have its source in you know information that a customer service agent would normally say. Um, but we have to make sure we know where that information came from. And we, and, you know, we have to make sure that the AI has the context because you could generate a really good answer for a customer in the U S that has no applicability to a customer in Europe or in, you know, right. <laughs> or in, in, in APAC. And so, um, we, you know, when we, as, as humans and we're testing out chat GPT or similarly open public. Uh, AI systems, we tend to ask things that are sort of um, that we sort of know the answer to, and we kind of give it the context it needs. But in customer service interactions, you know, we have to have a way to say these types of customers who are specified by their, uh, you know, the region they're contacting us from, the types of products they own, their history with the company, we need to provide them a different type of answer. And so having that context is what you know what a lot of our work has has been you know what a lot, a lot of what we've been working on in Zendesk AI is to say okay we have a large language model it can receive input and give output better than anything before uh, but how do we make sure that it uh, gets all the right input and gives a pretty confident output and what we're finding by the way right now is 
we are not recommending our customers put completely generated content in front of their customers in CX interactions. We are recommending that right now in the short term, in the year 2023 and probably 2024, um, you're going to want a human in the loop on that stuff. You have great customer service agents right. that interact with your customers that you trust, that you can that you can um, inspect and train and, and you know, have maybe have been doing this for a very long time and are experts. Let them review what the system is generating. Let them use their human instincts to um, to double check this stuff before we start putting completely generated answers in front of customers automatically. And I think that's something we're you know in our industry in the CX industry we're going to be dealing with for you know for for a couple of years here as AI comes up. Yeah, makes sense. So you know, on the one hand, when I when I start to see the stuff about generative AI, you know, one of my first thoughts is sort of, well, that's what I. That's what I thought we were trying to do with Siri and Alexa and, you know, like, I mean, it's just a voice version of that. Like, I, I ask a question in plain English and you give me an answer. Um, it is, it, I mean, it is an evolution of that. But, you know, I, I will say at this point in time, I find Siri to be really disappointing in that in that regard, because I feel like most of the questions I ask, it doesn't really have an answer for or it'll just say, hey, here's this. Here's this Wikipedia article I found, and it won't even say it out loud. You know, like I'm I'm having a conversation with a HomePod, and it's like, well, we sent a link to your phone. I'm like, I could have looked it up on my phone myself. That's not helpful. Yeah, yeah. I wanted you to tell me what the answer was. <laughs> but yeah. from an AI, from from a CX perspective, though, I feel like we have human customer service agents, and then we've had a, you know, just a a, a generation of chatbots, and the chatbots are generally not that useful. <laughs> um, and I feel like this is an opportunity to to, to improve that process. Um, and you know and, and and I also feel like and I'm not trying to put anyone out of out of work, but I feel like level one customer service doesn't generally know anything I don't know. Like, you know, when I call UPS or something and I say, hey, I, you know, I'm missing this package, all they do is pull up the same screen I'm looking at and they say, well, it says that it's in, you know, Kansas City. I'm like, I know that. <laughs> I want you to tell me yeah. why and when is it going to yeah. get here? Um, yeah. And so I feel like that is also an area where, like, you could definitely offload that to, you know, to offload that part to AI because it's like you're just citing known information and you're just following a, a, a predetermined flowchart of questions. And it's like, okay, well, you can use AI to get through that predetermined flowchart. And when you get to the part where the flowchart runs out, hand it off to a human. Yeah, absolutely. So let me, I kind of, you, you made a couple of points there. I want to try to respond to them in reverse order because the last point about that job of the tier one customer service agent is really important because, you know, I spend a lot of time with customer service agents, with customer service teams, with customer service managers. And I can tell you from their side, those tier one jobs, which are really about triaging and routing uh, tickets and or deflecting tickets, those are not fulfilling jobs for human beings, right? Um, and it, it, you know, uh, the, we, the opportunity here is to say, what are the manual or repetitive or non-rewarding um, jobs in the CX industry? How can we uh, you know, offload some of that to automation and AI? But use those people who are valuable humans, who truly care, who want to help, who have, um, you know, the skills and the access to information to go and really solve customers' problems, and just move them up the stack a little bit, right? Um, and just say, look, you know, the way I think about it quite a bit in the industry is that, you know, if you look at customer service supply and demand, demand continues to grow faster than supply, faster than our ability to deliver customer experiences or deliver answer to our customers. And demand is going to continue to grow. Consumers become more demanding. They buy more products. The world gets more complicated. Uh, there are more customer service issues every year, year after year. And so when we talk about automating parts of the jobs that exist today, I think what we're really saying is we're serving the demand, the simple demand um, through machine learning and AI. And that demand, which is going to continue to grow for human uh, intelligence, human interaction, emotional support, um, more complex scenarios, we're going to use that uh, those people who are doing, you know, tier one work to do tier two and higher work. Um, 
And we're going to realize if we open up the capacity for tier two and higher work, we're actually delivering better customer experiences across the whole curve of, of you know, CX uh, interactions. So I see a lot of that ha absolutely happening. And I think that's a great thing for the industry. It's a great thing for the job of a customer service agent to be able to say, our systems can understand what a customer is asking about, give them the information that's available uh, in our systems today, and um, route the customer service issue to a proper escalation channel or to a proper person um, if they actually need help from a human. That's going to be huge. That is what's going to transform a lot of the CX jobs today. Going back to your point about Siri, I think you're seeing exactly what we're seeing when we look at you know, companies uh, and, and CX vendors, frankly, who are taking a look at these LLMs and saying, oh, this is it. This is the solution to the problem. We just take the questions, we put them in the LLM, and then we see what the LLM says, and that's the answer right. to the customer. Siri can't do customer service for you because it doesn't have all of your context about your relationship with the company, and it doesn't have the company's business processes, knowledge, history, access to their internal systems, it doesn't have that information. So in order to make a good Siri or Alexa for CX, you have to provide CX-specific interactions to the LLM, customer data, and, um, and, and business process information so that the system can respond quickly. We yeah. are, the bots are getting better because we can now better understand what a customer is asking for and get them to the right answer. Um, and uh, if we if we throw those concepts away and just say, well, we'll just generate the answers out of, I don't know, a large language model, um, you, you end up creating the scenario that you were talking about at the beginning of your question. Well, and on the topic of sort of like false starts, I feel like um, when it comes to those things, there's there's a lot of potential there, and there was a lot of there were a lot of claims made early on that I don't think it's lived up to, and 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 they still they there's no reason they still can't achieve it, but they haven't really tried. I feel like, I feel like they're all kind of stalled out. They're like, all right, we we launched these things, they're fine now, um, but ultimately, and uh, you know what what I want from a Siri is over time. My Siri should be different than your Siri. My Siri should know what restaurants I like. It should know my, it knows my health information. Like it, it should know all these things. It should be like Jarvis and Iron Man. Yeah. It should know exactly what I think, how I like things. And it should be giving me information based on that, like proactively, intuitively, even without yeah. me asking on, on occasion. So that that's, that's aspirationally, that's, that's what I want Siri to be. And I think that, you know, there's the Siri that comes out of the box when you get a brand new device and you haven't done anything. Yeah. But over time, that algorithm should be customized to you. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent agree. And I, I think, uh, I, I think you know, a lot of consumers that I that I work with, and even some of the businesses I work with, are are, are thinking about that future in a way, which is like, if I, um, you know, I don't want to figure out how to contact my airline uh, in order to get a question answered by them. I want to just offload that to an AI, like, you know, Siri, like, Hey Siri, tell me, like, I need, I need my seat moved to a window seat. I forgot to do that last week, but it just popped into my head. Can you do that? Um, and I think there are, there are a couple of components that, that can, that need to happen to make that experience real. By the way, if you're following again, the bleeding edge on the generative AI stuff, this is what a lot of the auto GPT or auto, um, agents are doing where they're, you know, having these two, systems talk to each other, but entirely automated, entirely AI. And that's the type of system I think that could solve that particular problem. What we're seeing at Zendesk AI is that's great. And that's a future that we should all prepare for. But if the business itself, if my airline doesn't have a system that has the customer context, that has the information about my business process and my knowledge and my options and access to the internal systems for doing things like changing seats, um, there's nothing for the Siri or the the main agent to talk to in this case. So I think what what we're going to see in in the industry is we're going to see the CX portions of the business saying, okay, let's build up, let's build up our AI uh, interaction paradigms. Let's make sure our systems are connected. Let's make sure we've got a system that understands the customer interaction and understands um, the context. And uh, that way, you know, if if a, a majority of the companies in the world that the consumers interact with daily had these systems at their disposal, then an automated agent 
um, like a Siri could go and connect to those things and get some work done. So I think, I, you know, again, I don't want to predict timelines on this stuff because I will always be wrong and I'm self-conscious about that. But like this is a this is a possible future for us. This is no longer sci-fi. Right. Yeah, like I said, I mean, I, I feel like we, we, we could be further along even now with Siri and, and Alexa, but I, I, I do feel a little bit like Apple and Amazon were like, all right, you know, we launched it, it's good enough. You know, we're gonna move on and focus on other things. Yeah, and it's yeah. not, it's just not a high priority for them per se. Yeah, um, I think you're right. I think you're right. And I think, you know, look, I don't, I feel like I'm, I'm the voice of CX leaders on this call with you. And I would just say like, this is the plight of the CX teams, right? Because they want the budget to create these experiences. They want the investment to be able to enable, you know, Siri to come talk to their AI system. And, um, you know, they've been fighting for this type of investment in technology for years and years and years. I do think AI and generative AI is a catalyst for this. Customer service systems contain all the information you would ever want to know about how your customers feel about your product, your service, how you're doing in the market. The data is there. Your customers' words are sitting right there. Um, and if we can pull insights from that with generative AI, if we can summarize that information, if we can bring that back to the business, um, then CX leaders can make the case for, hey, we need to be ready for the future types of, of human interactions. If 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 we're basically all Siri, all Alexa, all the time, um, or all Bard, whatever whatever Google's voice assistant is, like, um, hey Google, like, then we need the systems that are ready to talk to those in the future, and we need the investment now to go do those things. Yeah. Um, one of the things that uh, kind of goes hand in hand with this, you know, being a a hot topic, is the you know, kind of the, the, the trust and security angles on it. Now, and, and you touched on this a little bit, I think, when you were talking about how, you know, for the foreseeable future, we need to have a human in the loop still. We need, there still needs to be some verification as we learn to, as we learn to use the technology and as we evolve the technology, we need to be verifying the answers. You know, um, one of the one of the issues I've pointed out a couple of times uh, on this podcast is that when it comes to content, you have you know, someone goes out and says, hey, ChatGPT, uh, you know, write me an article about, uh, you know, whatever, you know, uh, and you know, how, how, to, how to make a pizza. And ChatGPT will go out, scour the internet, find the answers, come back with a step-by-step a, a -step process for you for how to make a pizza. But without verifying it, it's like, maybe the steps are all wrong. You know, and, and the thing is, people, inherently trust it as long as the as long as the answer looks coherent like it's in, it's in english it sounds like it makes sense seems authoritative most people will just accept it and they will publish it as is which creates a downward spiral in terms of the data pool because now next time chat gpt goes to look for a recipe for pizza it's going to look at its own misinformed recipe and 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 now we've we've uh you know poisoned the well so to speak on the on the data pool yeah yeah, I, I mean, I, I see, I see the same uh, concern. I see the same things happening. I think I take a little bit of solace in saying, uh, this is an identified problem in the world of generative AI, and the the future will be made by the people who can solve it. In that, you know, whether it's citing the source, whether it's providing accuracy, confidence scores, whether it's being honest about. Um, you know, whether something being presented is fact or is generated, like kind of the example you said about like, Satya Nadella said this, or or is it Satya Nadella probably said something like this, or I could see Satya saying this. And so um, like these these systems have to get better at doing this. And I think we're in, the, in a time right now where it's a race among companies to provide the best large language models. Um, to, uh, and and best will you know start to be dictated by accuracy, trust of uh, and you know confidence in the results. I think it is early days though, and I don't know how to solve this for the entire um, for the entire concept of AI across the industry. But I do think it's on the minds of every single person I talk to, and so I have a feeling um, we're going to get better and better about this. I think what we did at Zendesk is we said, look, if you're building customer experiences, we have some design principles for you on how you use AI. Um, you know, a lot of that is just 
in terms of you know uh, privacy and security and compliance. Like AI is just like any other tool. We wouldn't send you know your uh, you know sensitive data around the internet um, just because it's AI now versus you know a, a previous technology advancement. Vendors and CX teams and their internal teams need to they can't trade off privacy and security and compliance for the benefits of AI. We have to treat this technology like any other technology and make sure in this world where having access to customer data is a privilege, um, we use that information responsibly. So that sounds like a no-brainer, but I think there's been a, such a rush on AI stuff that I think uh, we're at risk uh, as a complete industry. We're at risk of throwing away some of the some of the progress we've made in the last 10, 20 years on privacy, security, and compliance. I think transparency is another one. So if your system is using an AI, you know, as a vendor, I feel like we are responsible to tell you that. So we have stuff that's powered by our own Zendesk AI, which is internal, it's built, it's our systems. We can tell you about those systems. We can tell you that these particular parts of the product use our systems. And then some of the stuff we build will be powered by OpenAI products, GPT-3, GPT-4. We should be transparent about where this information is coming from uh, versus trying to obfuscate that. Um, I already talked about this, but accuracy, accuracy and confidence thresholds are critical. Um, making sure we choose our partners selectively. OpenAI has been a great company and they've uh, been a great partner with us, um, but we need to continue to inspect that relationship, right? So um, I think there will be competition among AI providers and LLM providers on their trustworthiness and on their ethics. And so we need to continue to inspect those business relationships like we would for other people. And then finally, you mentioned, I mean, I mentioned this earlier, and then you brought it back up. But right now, we're taking a human in the loop approach at Zendesk, like AI has to make the customer experience better. And it has to make the agent and admin experience better. Um, where this technology is for humans, it's not for <laughs> it's not just so we can, you know, facilitate the um, you know, robots take over the world scenario. This is, it has to make human lives better. And so right now, I think there's a lot of stuff where we're being slightly conservative and saying, keep a human in the loop on this. Don't put generative responses in front of your customers unless they've been reviewed by a human or you've somehow built a system that can deliver a confidence level and an accuracy level to that prediction. That makes sense. Um, you know, when you talked about kind of, you know, privacy and, and, and customer data and stuff and you know that that is um you know obviously that's a huge concern for for companies you know like you're, you've been entrusted with this data there are you know a myriad of compliance regulations you've got to you know comply with uh you know around the world in terms of uh handling that information um i have also said for a long time when it comes to things like you know, privacy and, and like, again, I'm going to go back to the iPhone. Um, it can do a lot, but what it can do is partly dependent on how willing you are to share. Like, you have to turn on things like location sharing and give it access to things so that it can learn those, you know, so that it can know. If you are, if you're Concern about privacy is such that you're like, well, no, I'm not turning on any of those features. That's fine. That's your prerogative. Just know that the trade-off for that is you don't get the convenience of these technological advantages. <laughs> like yeah. they, those, the, the, they require you to share. Um, and so, you know, as as the consumer, you've got to pick and choose. I mean, I I I personally, I'm okay sharing my stuff with with Apple. I'm not okay sharing my stuff with Google. I try not to do that. <laughs> Um, so uh, yeah. I, I'm sure they still have it all, just because that's the nature of the world. But uh, you know, consciously, I, I, I don't I don't try to share it. Um, and I think you know, when when you're dealing with the customer experience angle on it, that definitely comes into play as well. It's like what you have access to as the customer service AI or or agent um, is somewhat dependent on what have I opted into. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, I think on the topic of, you know, sharing data with with companies, I think, you know, I'm not going to say everybody's doing it right, but I think we've turned a corner in the last, you know, three to five years on visibility into, oh, I am sharing my data with this company. They have some responsibility to me to tell me what data I've shared with them and what they're using. And so, you know, Google's a good example. You know, you can go and, and 
ask them what they know about you and they'll, they'll respond with some information. So I think we're turning a little bit of a corner there. I think, um, you know, what we talk about at Zendesk and what I talk about with my customers is like, you know, your customer data is a privilege. They don't have to give it to you. Just like you said, they don't, um, you know, if they do give it to you, they expect a very high level of trust and they expect value out of it. What am I getting out of giving you this data? And I think that's, what I find, yeah, go ahead, sorry. I was gonna say that that's crucial, that, yeah. that part, because I don't, I do not participate personally in like the Walgreens or CVS, like customer, you know, things, because they're always like, well, do you wanna put your, your, your number in to get rewards? I'm like, I've yet to see a reward that I care about. It seems like you're holding this carrot out here, yeah. but you're not giving me anything. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I think that's that's it. It's it's a value it's a value exchange, and the power has shifted from you have no power as a customer to you have a lot of power as a customer to make those decisions, and um, there has to be an exchange of value for you to do that. I think we're we're on fine. Like at Zendesk, we work with hundred thousand companies across the world, and not all of those companies, in fact, a vast majority of the companies, do not have the sophistication of a. Google or a Facebook or you know you know Walgreens or something like that where they can say okay we're gonna spin up a team of a few hundred people to um, you know to figure out exactly what data we're using uh, of our customers and so they rely on vendors like Zendesk like I think a lot of this is going to be you know a lot of the future of this for companies that are smaller than the largest companies in the world uh, there's going to be do I trust my vendor that you know uh, they're doing good things and responsible things and treating my customer data as the you know bar of gold that it is um of this precious precious resource that it is we feel as Zendesk we've provided that level of trust but again i think with the industry's rush to ai that's something we have to be careful of are all vendors doing this responsibly do all vendors hold trust for, for, uh, you know compliance security and safety at such a high regard that's going to be a conversation that that everyone's having um, in the CX world with their vendors and with their partners. Yeah. Well, and you know, like one one quick aside, and then I'll do a question. But at, yeah. on some level, you know, let's say I've got uh, the number is probably like a hundred. Let's say I have a hundred apps on my phone, um, and you know, some percentage of those are accessing. You know, my, I've given permission to access my my data, and I have a level of trust or I wouldn't have done that. So I, I expect that they're managing my data properly. Yeah. The thing is, it only takes one of them to not manage my data properly, and it actually undermines all the rest. You know, so it's like, uh, like once the data is is compromised and it's out there on the dark web, then does it really matter that I'm like, you know, carefully monitoring my data with Apple? Because who cares? <laughs> but, um, you know, so that, that, that that's the quick aside. But um, I wanted to ask you guys, you guys just had, um, you just held your customer event uh, relate recently, yep. um, and uh, I'm just curious, like what, you know, what were kind of the primary topics of conversation? What are the key takeaways uh, from that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think right now, topic of conversation wise, um, you know, we, we just we just talked about it for for a long time here, but AI is on the top of mind of every single customer I spoke with. Um, and and the we we recently relaunched uh, sorry we recently launched Zendesk AI at our customer event relate which includes a lot of the things I'm talking about so our own Zendesk AI internal system that we've been building over the last 18 months that can accurately and confidently predict sentiment language um, uh, intent of a customer what is this customer trying to do also do some entity extraction which we'll be launching later this year but confidently get AI insights directly out of the customer service data because it's been trained on CX data, um, as well as our partnership with OpenAI, where we are, um, you know, doing some of the, you know, core generative stuff like ticket summarization or tone shift of an agent's input, um, you know, generative, uh, you know, responses that get approved and reviewed by an agent. So um, it's, it's, you know, it's an area that we're investing in, all those things I just spoke about. Um, and it's an area that, that's on the minds of all of our customers. You know, I did have a great conversation um, with a customer earlier this week about, you know, what we just talked about where uh, they turned on Zendesk AI and they had a group of agents whose job it was to just triage customer service tickets. Um, after turning on Zendesk AI, which is all super pre-trained and you, you know, it's not something that you need to train. It's not something that you need an IT or ML team. You turn it on 
and you start getting these predictions on your tickets, um, within a day, they were able to take that group, which is a small group, is one or two um, agents, but they were to take, take that group of agents whose job it was to just triage tickets and move them up uh, into the core customer service team to handle it live one-on-one in-person interactions with customers. So, um, so we're seeing these results. These things are happening. Um, this is, you know, this has already been a productive wave of technological advancement. Um, whereas again, in the past, you might've seen some false starts or we might've gotten the, you know, uh, uh, gotten the wheels locked up a little bit on moving AI forward. This seems very different. And the energy around this uh, with our customers is, is, is just amazing. Okay. Um, so going forward, do you have any you know uh, thoughts on like you know how how does how how will Zendesk uh, you know prioritize enhancing the AI capabilities or what does the evolution of Zendesk AI look like over the you know we'll say the, over the near term? Yeah, I mean, so I think what what we'll see in the CX world specifically is just um, AI will just be part of every single um, moment of. CX interaction. So from the minute a customer is, you know, from from before a customer even knows they want to talk to a company, you know, we may have AI sort of proactively thinking about, okay, we need to reach out to this customer. We need to tell them, you know, that their order has been delayed or whatever the case may be, proactive engagement on CX, uh, all the way through a customer interacting with automations and a bot experience through talking to an agent um, through receiving their response, through sort of post-response care, um, every single part of the customer lifecycle will be affected by AI. Every single part of the agent experience. Um, so, for instance, you know, agents right now, when they take a customer service ticket, you know, when they first receive uh, an inbound messaging session from a customer, or an email from a customer, or a voice call from a customer, they spend a lot of time reading through the details interacting with a customer to get some new details, looking into internal systems and third-party systems, and then crafting a response. I think a lot of that upfront stuff, all the way including crafting a response, can be done and automated with AI uh, in the customer experience. And what the agent's job will be is to say, hey, we've prepared a response to this customer for you. Here's a summary of the customer information. Here's a summary of the interaction. Um, here's our requested, our expected response. Um, do you want to go over it, personalize it? Do you approve it? Do you not approve it? Is there something you should change? And the agent is more empowered to be a reviewer, to be the gatekeeper of human emotion and intelligence. Um, and so the agent's job will go from a press these buttons here and do this search here to a review this interaction and tell us if we're delivering a great customer experience. So I think that's going to be a huge shift for the CX industry and for agents worldwide. Um, and then I think, uh, you know, there's a lot of, um, what's the other, the other thing that we talk about a lot, I haven't mentioned it yet on this, so I'm happy to, to, to just give it um, uh, 30 seconds here, which is um, there's a lot of preventative care. So I talked about proactive, like, hey, your shipping's been delayed. We're going to let you know about that and give you some options. There's a lot of preventative stuff, which is, you know, AI, like I said, we have all the interaction history in our CX systems. So AI can basically say, hey, judging from, you know, the last seven days of interactions, it looks like we may have a uh, issue with this particular product, or we may have an issue with the um, quality of responses coming out of this particular service center or around this particular topic of service shipping or whatever the case may be. Um, and we can bring that to, we can surface that to uh, administrators and CX leaders and even uh, surface potential responses to that. So, hey, it's like, hey, if your agents had a quick knowledge base article or a quick reply that says something like this, we call them macros in Zendesk, but that said something like this, um, it would really help your efficiency and it would help get answers to the customers faster. So doing preventative and iterative maintenance on your CX experiences um, is something that we think AI will help out with a lot. So um, just surfacing insights from all this CX data to the right people, not just customers, not just agents, but also to the CX leaders and administrators of the systems, I think will have a huge impact. Yeah, no, I, mean, I, I don't even work in that arena and and, and I would agree. Like I, I, a lot of a lot of the time when I am interacting with like a, a, 
you know, voice response, you know, when I, you know, I call and, you know, they've got their voice response system that, you know, is, you know, so it starts asking me questions. It wants, they, 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 they want this computer to engage with me like a human being. And a lot of times it goes poorly. It doesn't understand what I'm saying. It directs me to the wrong thing. And in the back of my mind, I'm always like, I really hope somebody somewhere is analyzing all of this data that someone is is actually looking and saying, okay, Tony Bradley called, he asked this question, the response was completely irrelevant, you know, and 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 yeah. and and learning from that experience. That that's the yeah. silver lining. The silver lining of my frustration is that I <laughs> is that I hope someone is learning from this experience. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and and CX leaders do I you know again just let me be the voice of CX agents and CX leaders worldwide. Everybody cares. Like everybody I've ever met in the industry whose job it is to serve customers actually cares about the outcomes, but they deal with issues of scale and volume. And so the process you're describing right now, it's called quality monitoring, quality management inside the CX world. It actually typically consists of taking a random sampling and manually reviewing those by human um, human quality monitors, quality administrators. And um, you know there are things that are missed, and so you know we can we can because of the scale of interactions in CX, and because of the you know the amount of people that work in a typical CX org, you can't check every response. Um, this is where AI will be super powerful because AI can check every response, and I can check it way faster than a human could, and I can check it twice a day, and I can recheck when it when it gets smarter, um, and can surface these types of issues. So so we're we're seeing AI be a huge 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 um, uh, you know, uh, sorry, I, I, just a, a huge improvement on the scale of of uh, change we can do within CX. Yeah, well, I was gonna say I think you know random sampling makes sense. I mean, you you're not gonna review every single call, so it's like you, you take some some random set, say okay, well, let's just see uh, how how are we doing. But if I wanted to be more specific, if I was on that side of the fence, I would say, okay, just find me instances of profanity exactly. because. Because whether it's whether it's Apple reviewing what I say to Siri or you know Amazon you know reviewing what I say to their voice response thing, you know the fourth time it asks me a dumb question, I'm 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 liable to use some profanity. So if you just searched on that, you'd be like, all right, now I can narrow this down and I can just find the ones where we pissed the customer off. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and again, in defense of CX teams everywhere, a lot of teams can do that. Like they can. It, in the past, like the technology we've had up to today, was just about good enough to do that, <laughs> to grab the worst, worst uh, uh, cases of sentiment or profanity and pull, surface those. What we're talking about changing going forward is doing that on a massive scale. There is a whole set of, you know, profanity just below the level of detectability that AI can detect um, and can surface. So it, it's just, you know, it's. Um, it's it's super it's a super bright future. I think um, CX is going to get a well a deserved reinvigoration of investment and interest because of the power we can now apply um, using generative AI and these large language models. Okay, well, and like I said, I agree. I mean, it, you know, despite my feelings on Siri or Alexa or um, you know generative AI in general, I do feel like. If I'm looking at something like a chat GPT for creating content, or if I'm looking at something like, you know, Dolly for creating, you know, artwork, you know, imagery, um, those things are different. I, I feel like they're more, they're more nuanced, they're more complex. You're asking it to create. And I feel like what you're doing on the CX side is much more in the, in the, in the, scope of what it is truly capable of now you know like like you're not asking it to you know like like you you referenced earlier like you, you literally don't want it to you know be creative <laughs> you want it to be able to reference like here's the knowledge base article i can point you to exactly the thing that helps you um you know with this with this question um and i feel like you know ai is definitely uniquely suited for that yeah absolutely and i think you know what we're what we're talking about right now is just that balance between, you know, creativity and correctness. And um, I think the AI scales, you know, with the GPT-3 and GPT-4, with Dolly and, and these generative models, um, 
they started to really figure out creativity, which was always needed. Um, now we have to apply getting these things right. You know, when when you talk to LLM people about it, they say, look, we're talking about hallucinations. The, the AI is hallucinating answers to these questions. Um, I think it's, you know, uh, I think it's different than that. And I think, uh, you know, it's, it's a matter of um, sort of constricting the output to, to stuff we know is already co correct and letting the systems use the creativity to find the correct thing, you know, for the right. scenario. Um, uh, and, and so it's, uh, you know, I don't, you know, you know, if I'm, if, if you ask me a question and I create an answer that sounds good and isn't right, I didn't hallucinate that. <laughs> I just, uh, I generated I, it. And I, I will say I, though, yeah. Yeah. Cust human customer service agents do that all the time. So in defense of AI, <laughs> like that happens all the time where like they give you an answer and and you find out that answer is literally BS. They like literally just made something up to get you off the phone. Yeah, it, it can be, it can be the case. And I think, uh, I think, uh, um, you know, we're always, it's always about balance and it's always about scale. So um, what gets the customer the best experience? It might be, the right answer fast. It might be connection to an agent fast. It might be, um, you know, it's probably not a wrong answer, and so that's where generative AI has some 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 hiccups. Um, so you know, we I think it's a balance between does automate when does automation and when do humans provide the best experience for a customer. That's that's what's going to be on the topic. That's going to be on the minds of all customer service leaders for the next two years. All right. Well. Um... I think that seems like a decent place to wrap up. So I want to thank you for joining me. I think it was, a, it was a good conversation. I mean, I'm having a lot of uh, fun conversations these days about generative AI, and I, I'm, I'm sure we will continue to have those conversations uh, you know, in the coming months and years. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much for having us. You know, it's been great, especially since uh, since our Zendesk user conference relate. Uh, I've been talking about this nonstop. I'm not getting tired of it. Like the, the opportunity here is so big um, that we better keep talking about it. Otherwise, the bots will be talking about it for us, frankly. Right. All right. Thank you. All right. Thanks a lot. I appreciate you investing your time to listen to the podcast, but I also invite you to engage on social media. Uh, please go like our Facebook page and follow at Techspective on Twitter and Instagram. You can feel free to let me know what you like, let me know what you don't like, let me know if you love it, let me know if it sucks, and uh, let me know what products you'd like to see reviewed or what uh, questions you'd like to see answered in future posts. 